0: Everyone, Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host author Emma Palova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent, the Low Ledger, and UP author Hilton Everett Moore. Together, we've been bringing you stories for 130 years. Today, I will be chatting with author Mike Farrell, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of... When Perfection Isn't Perfect, at the end of the interview. Hello, Mike. How are you today? Hello, Emma. It's great to see you again. Yep, it's great to see you, as always. Tell us all about your journey that led you to writing this book, The Low and the High Points in Your Life. You have mentioned a crippling childhood anxiety, even to a desire to end your life. And we know that September is a suicide prevention month, so let's tie to that too to help other people. Your book is such an inspiration for all of us.
1: Absolutely, I appreciate you the the opportunity to talk about the book. It uh, is very, very important to me and to a lot of people. Um, really, the the book starts out with um, with my. Uh, growing up in Maryland uh, right outside of DC uh I had these anxieties, some issues with um, crowds and talking to to certain people and uh but when when I was in my little bubble with my friends in uh, New Carrollton, Maryland, uh, everything was fine you know e- everything was good uh I was uh you know one of those, model students uh, kind of one of the funny stories is my uh, one of my teachers said that uh, I was so quiet as a student that she wanted to put me next to two of the most talkative people in class to try to get me to talk more. And it actually had the opposite effect that the two people who were the most biggest talkers actually quieted down. (laughs) It came down to my level. so. No, I, had a, I guess I had a strong uh, presence there, um, being the quiet one. But, um, you know, throughout my growing up, uh, I participated in sports. Uh, I had had a great group of friends that I grew up with. Uh, we had, you know, a great upbringing. And uh, everything was wonderful till I turned 13. And my uh, dad had retired from the government. He worked for the uh, DIA and CIA. And uh, he decided they uh, wanted to retire and move to Michigan. So of course, a thirteen-year-old psyche—probably um, not the best best thing in the world to do that at thirteen. So we moved to Michigan, and I just thought my whole world was going to collapse. And I started looking for all the reasons why it would collapse and should collapse, and was finding a lot of a lot of good reasons. And um, when you look for the bad, you'll find the bad. And it got to the point where I just didn't want to, didn't want to be here anymore, and um, had a uh, a strong desire to to end it all. And then uh, had a best way I can describe it is a divine intervention that uh, caused me to start to look at things a little bit differently. Started to try to find. What I like to call one good thing every day. So I'd look for one, one positive thing or one positive event that each day I could focus on and try to build on. And you know, as time went on, you know, started finding those things. The right people started crossing my paths. Yeah. Um, you know, just positive things were happening to the point where I ended up being the um, a place kicker at Adrian College. Uh, my freshman year, I was the only person that didn't play a single play, which was kind of depressing to the point oh, that, sure. uh, you know, everybody plays in division three football, but for some reason, I wasn't, uh, one of those lucky ones at freshman year, but my sophomore year, I came back, uh, had a renewed, uh, strength and, uh, renewed desire to, uh, to really be the best that I could be, um, By the way, I don't know if I mentioned, I was a barefoot place kicker in Michigan. How come? It just made me concentrate a lot more and uh, (laughs) made me uh, follow through. And if I didn't kick it right, it would hurt. So I (laughs) kicked it right every time. But uh, my sophomore year, I ended up uh, winning the starting position, uh, beat out a, uh, a kicker who came in. From uh, Northern California, he was a really good place kicker. He was all Northern California, and uh I ended up uh, leading the leading the nation in division three that year with uh, field goals made per game. And I was an All American, and I helped lead our team to the national playoffs. It's the first time in our school's history.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So Uh, what was that divine encounter that completely changed your life?
1: That uh, It was uh, uh, really one of the darkest days of my life, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, It had gotten to the point where I just really wanted to end it all. I had, uh, had a razor blade and I was ready to just, you know, end it and... All of a sudden I heard a voice, uh, not necessarily like you and I are talking, but I heard it, um, I heard a voice say, uh, Mike, don't, I have a greater plan for you. And um, it just kind of woke me up out of this darkness. And all of a sudden I felt a peace and all the darkness started to float away, kind of like in a, I don't know, like you'd see in a movie where the, the, Darkness would just kind of flake away and all of a sudden, you know, there's some sunshine and, you know, that's when I, you know, I didn't really know what the purpose was going to be, but I had a feeling that I needed to just trust in that. And that's when things started to change. And that's when I started looking for one good thing each day.
0: So, other than looking for one good thing a day, what other tools did you use on a regular basis that helped you through this? Let's say crisis.
1: Uh, the the biggest things, you know, back in back in those days, it really wasn't, um, you know, uh, seeing counselors and things like that really wasn't as as big a deal as it is today. Uh, a lot of it was really, um, relying on my faith, um, trusting that God had a plan for me, um, relying on friends, um, had some really good friends in, uh, the Fenton area. And, uh, I was involved in scouts and, uh, was able to get my Eagle award and just had, uh, I really did have a, a great family that, uh, that I knew supported me and, uh, you know, just relying on that and just trying to, to move forward and make something positive with my life after, you know, wanting to do something as drastic as that, you know, I just thought, you know, that wasn't fair to, wasn't fair to my family and wasn't fair to, um, you know, to my purpose.
0: Right. So, was there a specific moment that set you off to write all this up? It's a complex personal story that needed to be told, and you did it. Now, tell us, how did you do it?
1: Well, it's uh, it's kind of a um, a multi-layer kind of thing. My um, my uh, dad uh was a a really good uh, writer. He uh, worked for the National Photo Interpretation Center uh, for the DIA and CIA had uh, numerous top secret projects that he was involved in. He was, he was actually the the person who verified the SALT II treaty uh, back in the day. And uh, was the first one to develop plans for the, uh, the first pictures from the SR-71 spy plane. Uh, he was trying to, uh, he was going to write a book about his adventures and unfortunately he wasn't able to finish that before he passed and that kind of you know bothered me to the point where i i wanted him to have his story out there and that kind of inspired me that well maybe i have a story that i can get out there and make him proud of me Mm -hmm. and then um you know at the time my my children were going through some difficult times at school and every time i tried to talk to them they kept saying well you're, you just don't understand how tough things are that, uh, you know, things are so much harder these days and you didn't have to go through that. You were, Mm -hmm. you were always this great person and you, uh, didn't have to go through any hardships. So I kind of wanted to show them that. And then, um, at the same time, I, I wanted to, uh, get the story out, um, You know, more of a, as a thank you to my friends, my family, and my teammates. Um, No matter, no matter that my name is on a lot of these awards and a lot of the records, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been possible if they weren't part of my life. And, um, you know, most importantly, that my faith, you know, that God had a purpose for my life. And I felt like I had to tell this story to uh, to let everybody know what he did in my life. When I started following what his plan was, things started falling into place.
0: It's a great story. How long did it take you to write it up, Mike? And what resources did you use? Did you finally have to outline it? I had to. Yes,
1: yeah, it, was, it was definitely a labor of love that uh, it took. Uh, about four years, four years to write. Uh, and, you know, it was percolating a couple of years before that, but uh, the actual physical writing was about four years. I I started just by jotting down some of the stories. And then uh, I started getting a little bit confused. Okay, like, when did this happen? When did this happen? I got to make sure they're in the right order. So that's when I went back and drew up kind of an outline and uh, tried to give myself a little bit of guidance. I tried to look at it from the perspective of the person who's actually going to be reading the story. Right. There is a lot of the the uh, the things I was writing down at the beginning was really just about myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. But
1: as, as the story evolved, I tried to get it to the point where I could i could relate it to the person who's actually reading this book that you know there's there's a higher purpose for everybody that there's there's something that they can they can get out of it that yeah these some of these things are my story but a lot of people experience the same types of things right. so i tried to write it from that perspective as opposed to just blurting out well here's all my stuff mm-hmm. it's not sure. really about me sure. it's about the process
0: what was the biggest challenge? You must have faced several challenges in writing this. What was one of the biggest ones?
1: The, probably one of the biggest challenges was making sure that I got the details right, uh-huh. and then I got the the all the the little idiosyncrasies involved, um, uh-huh. my little habits. You know, I shared some of the some of the things I did uh, when I was kicking. Um, you know, everybody says kickers are weird, uh, kickers are, are strange, but, uh, I always looked at it as a routine, Mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would do things, you know, being a barefoot kicker, you had to, I had to shave my foot before every game. And when you shave your face, you always put cologne on it. So I put cologne on it too. And (laughs) the guys in the, uh, on the football team happened to live in same dorm as I did, and uh, they caught wind of it, and they saw me doing it before a couple of games before, and uh, it was just it just one of those funny things that, you know, well, I got to do it because I did it every game, and yeah. I li- listened to uh, certain songs before every game, and it mm-hmm. just got me into the right mindset and the right... So remembering those little things yes. to give it a little bit of character was uh, was was really big.
0: How about the most gratifying part?
1: I think the the most gratifying part was, you know, finally getting everything out and getting it to a point where I felt like it was a story that I could be proud of, that mm-hmm. it was a story not for me, but as a thank you to my teammates, especially, Um, you know, I, I couldn't have done it without them. You know, I was just one guy, there's, you know, 10 other guys, you know, holding the ball, blocking for me, long snapping the ball. Um, You know, I couldn't have done it without the guys on defense, stopping the other team, the guys on offense, moving the ball down close enough for me to kick or kick extra points, things like that, that, you know, I just, I wasn't a big talker during the games, but it was just a way that I could show my appreciation to those guys that, uh, you know, what they did. And for my family who supported me through everything, you know, I definitely couldn't have done it without them. And then of course my friends who, you know, kept me grounded. They kept me humble. They kept me, um, you know, with my mind on the main thing. It was, I'm here to support, the team, and I'm here to support my friends, and uh, there's no reason I needed to get a big head about anything.
0: Right. Uh, how about surprises, discoveries, or epiphanies while writing this memoir? Any new stuff resurfaced?
1: Yeah, I think the a lot of the details, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, some of the details that I put in the book um, really kind of surprised me that how they came back uh you know a lot of times i would i would write the story uh i would write little snippets for each little story and then little details would come back to me oh, nice. maybe a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later and then i'd go back and kind of edit and uh you know build the story a little bit bigger and then um just how everything kind of came together and like I said, how I tried to transform it into something more of a a learning experience for the reader, as opposed to just blurting out, hey, look at all the fun things I did. But
0: yeah, very it's important. Not really about,
1: it's not really about me, it's about what other people can learn from the book.
0: So what do you feel you did right? No one else could have done it like you. So you've already made several points, but something that really stands out? I think, uh, the biggest,
1: the biggest thing is just, you know, my appreciation, uh, my appreciation for, uh, you know, God leading me to this, my appreciation for my family, um, my parents' support, my friends' support and, you know, above and beyond my, uh, teammates and my coaches' support, it was just, uh, you know, I, I definitely. Was a lucky recipient of a lot of this, but uh, it was definitely them that made it happen.
0: Yep. What would you have done differently?
1: Honestly, uh, there's there's really nothing I could have done differently because you know this is my story, and this is this is uh, what I'm I'm proud of, and you know some things not so proud of, but it's what made me up to who i am today and uh sure and i'm just excited to get it out there
0: what have you learned about yourself from writing this book
1: oh uh there's been a, there've been a lot of things i've learned about myself uh become a lot more resilient uh yeah. become become more uh more outgoing um more confident yes uh, more yep. uh more uh, appreciative I guess is the big thing a lot of things my faith gotten a lot stronger as well
0: so what is the major takeaway from when perfection isn't perfect we've covered a lot of complex topics what would you say is the major one
1: I'd say probably the biggest thing about the book would be that uh that uh there's a purpose and you know, everybody has a purpose in life that God has a plan for everybody's life that uh, sometimes you just don't know what it is yeah but it could you know it could be that you're bound for something overtly great you know something that uh makes you become a, a superstar but it may be that you're there to support somebody that is going to become, and do something great for the world as well. You know, it takes takes all kinds of people with all kinds of uh, gifts, and uh, being able to uh, to bring the best out of other people is really uh, is really something that uh, you know the world needs, especially right now. I mean, with the the way the you know COVID has really uh, destroyed a lot of people, made people yes. wonder. What their purpose is in life that, um, you know, just want to kind of bring everybody back to say, hey, you do have a purpose. You may not know what it is, but if you seek it, if you look for it, you will find it because you're going to find whatever you're looking for. If you look for bad, you'll find bad If you look for good, you'll find good. Oh, good.
0: How about giving us some tips on how to write a memoir? There are a lot of people out there who want to pen their stories, their life stories, and it's so complex. How should they approach it? How to avoid making common mistakes in writing a memoir? We've all made them.
1: Absolutely. No, that's uh, I mean, the biggest, the biggest uh, hurdle, I think, is just starting putting pen to paper or yep. typing it on a computer, you know, you can't, you can't second guess yourself. Right. You got to, um. you know, you may start off like I did. You just started off with little, little snippets. Mm-hmm. You're not sure how it's all going to come together. You're not sure what the story is. Right. The the biggest thing about a memoir is yes, it's a story about yourself but it's supposed to teach the teach the reader uh, something about themselves and how to help yes. them get better. And it's yes. not really about yourself. It's about helping other people. And um, you know, just writing those things out, uh, like you had mentioned before, you know, starting an outline, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you start with the story first, you get a little a couple little stories together. But, uh, you know, get an outline and have a have a path for it.
0: OK. OK. So would you do it all over again? Your writing career, any regrets?
1: Absolutely. I have no regrets. Um, you know, the only I guess if there was a regret that I didn't do it sooner.
0: Sooner. All the authors say this. I do too. We all should have <laughs> done it sooner.
1: Exactly. But uh, but no, it was a, a great process. Uh, like you said, you know, it, it teaches you things about yourself and teaches you things about humanity. And if it can do anything to help humanity, then uh, by all means... You know, get it out
0: there get it out there all right what is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person event
1: well there've there've been several things that have happened uh probably one of the the neatest things i guess is the the best way I could put it is uh, just this last weekend, I was in uh, Pennsylvania at the uh, um, Festival of Books of the Alleghenies. And I had uh, a fellow author um, just happen to walk by and see my uh, the poster that I had that uh, basically had the picture of the, the book on it and uh she had mentioned how her uh her son uh plays football and he uh he's been going through some hard times and difficulties and when she heard about my story uh she said you know this is probably one of the best ways that I could actually help him right to have him read this book and um you know do uh Hopefully, hopefully help him work through some of the issues that he's having. And, um, and then I also had another author who's uh, just a couple tables down from me, who had heard my my uh, pitch uh, several times during the day, and he came over and actually bought a book and uh, said that he was going to incorporate that. He's also a part time pastor, and oh, so that nice wanted to incorporate this story into some of his sermons that uh, is very uh, complimentary of, uh, of the story. And, uh, you know, just encouraged me to, to keep getting the word out and just really, uh, really was a positive, uh, positive thing for me.
0: Okay. What's next for Mike on your writing journey?
1: Well, the, the next thing I've actually uh, completed a second book, it's called uh, embracing gratitude, a year of seeking one good thing daily. it's it's actually a devotional, a daily devotional. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's at the printers right now. Uh, it's going to be uh, released next week uh, on on the website uh, www.barefootkicker.com. and uh, you know it's kind of a companion piece to this uh, the memoir, I've had a lot of people talk to me about how it's such a, a good story and how they've gone through a lot of the same issues and a lot mm-hmm. of same problems. But uh a lot of them kept asking, well, but how do you find one good thing daily? Mm. So, you know, I kind of kind of wrote this as a way to to help people be inspired to find that one good thing daily, you know, whether it be a a sunrise or a hug or a smile or um, you know, a cloud or a sunset, you know, just each day, you kind of explore one new thing. So hopefully this will, uh this will also help people yep. in their journey as well.
0: It should help all of us. All right, Mike, would you like to read to us? Absolutely.
1: Well, let's see here. Okay. This is uh This is from the book, uh, When Perfection Isn't Perfect. Um, Feeling connected with a purpose is magic. Looking back to see the importance of these connections in your life is a true blessing. Writing the story of my experience in life, sports, specifically football, has made me appreciate all those who touched my life even more. As I go through my life, I become more aware of how this is truly like a highway. There are visions you see from peak mountaintops that can take your breath away and give you an emotional response that satisfies your soul. There are also views from valleys that can crush your spirit and make you wish for those mountaintops again. A successful journey uses a road map to guide you to your desired destination. Yet life does not provide a map giving us directions through our journey or a GPS. You would never go on a journey without planning the route to your destination. So how do you navigate life without a guide to keep you out of danger? I profess faith influences your journey more than anything else. Faith, family, and friends compose the details of the direction life can take and become. Faith in a higher power that has designed and directed our path in life connects us to our purpose. When I speak of family, I include bl- blood relations, the family you were born into, along with those who come into your life who are so close they become part of your family. Friends may journey in and out of your life, but they can have a powerful impact on a season. The stronger these pillars of faith, family, and friendships become, the richer life becomes. At some point, you look back and see the, the purpose revealed. Looking from the perspective, you see a reverse roadmap that shows you the interesting route you have taken. This reverse roadmap becomes clearer to people at different times in their life as mine is now to me. There's no way I would have taken this life path to get to this point. And if I were to try to plot it out myself, I would probably be lost on a dead end road somewhere. Only divine guidance and intervention could have made my journey so successful. So many times I look back and ask, why me? Why was I chosen to take this journey? The purpose also becomes clearer because of God's great design and greater purpose. I was chosen. Humbling as all this has been, I am so grateful for the journey, the involvement, and my many friends and teammates. Without these connections and relationships, this story would not be possible. I came into the world during the Cold War in January 6, 1964. Common to that era in our history, my mom stayed at home taking care of the home, me, Later, my brother, John, my dad worked for the CIA, DIA at the National Photo Interpretation Center in a top-secret program developing aerial photo interpretation techniques to keep watch on enemies of our country. Maps were important to his job and played a key role in my upbringing. My mid-1960s suburban upbringing was rather plain and standard. I had a rather nondescript life outside of Washington, D.C., in the suburb of New Carrollton, Maryland. I was born in DC, born without a state technically, though my alliances always swung to all things Maryland. There's always, re- the, the area's rich history in the origins of the US gave me pride about my roots. Though some would deem my amazing story a supernatural success, I hope you will find the true scope of my success underlined with humility. The record making success very few get to enjoy, even for a brief time, let alone a lifetime, came through a confluence of circumstance, encouragement, and unexpected coaching and wisdom from standouts in the field, as well as fellow players. So how does a guy from the suburbs of DC get the opportunity to become one of the most consistent place kickers in the history of NCAA Division III football.
0: Okay, we're going to have to stop there. We're running out of time. It's a good place to stop. Okay. Uh, Can you announce the details of your book giveaway?
1: Uh, Yes, I have a copy, a signed copy of uh, When Perfection Isn't Perfect. Uh, It will be available uh, when the podcast is released. If the uh, person who could email me uh, their name and address, I will uh, get this into the mail to them. Uh, If you can send it to Mike, M-I-K-E, at barefootkicker.com. That's b a r e f o o t k-i-c-k-e-r.com one more time please so uh, mike m-i-k-e at um barefootkicker.com it's dot com or f-o-o-t-k-i-c-k-e-r.com oh, yeah. so uh just uh email me oh. at that uh address and i will get this out to you and uh hopefully you'll enjoy the story
0: okay and parting shots from each one of us you first mike you're my guest what would you like to leave our listeners with your last um, thoughts final thoughts i just uh,
1: just to uh to understand that uh, that you have a purpose in life that uh there is a greater purpose out there that we need you here We need you to uh, participate and to make this world a better place and that everybody has a way to do that. And, um, you know we uh, okay. We, I
0: have to say goodbye too. Okay, and my parting shots are write indie, buy indie, and read indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.